All right, you guys stand with me. I, um, I like to do the whole um, stand and read the, the Word of God together thing because um, I figure at the very least it gives you one last chance to kind of stretch the legs, you know, before you settle in for a long message. Just thank you, thank you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, kind of. But um, hopefully, hopefully I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, any, any of you guys lose power? Last night, just out of curiosity, any of you guys lose power? Wow, some of you did. Not very many. That's good. That's good. We lost power. I was, I was worried I was going to have to shower and get dressed in the dark, um, which means I probably would have looked about as silly as I normally look. So uh, not, a, not a bad thing, but uh, a little concerned about the church because, you know, a lot of uh, Big Sweet Broken Arrow lost power. So it came up here uh, at 730 when we were out. Church still had power, and it was, it was a good thing. And we were praying this morning, and I was just like, you know, I'm really glad we didn't have to cancel church because we didn't have power because it's just really great to get together with God's people. And it's just really great to worship with you guys. And um, I'm just so in awe of what God is doing here at Core Church. And that happens because of every one of you guys in these seats. And, and so thank you for being here. Let's open up the word of God together. We're going to be in 2 Kings today. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, um, you can download one. Uh, go to our website, corechurch.com, um, or you can uh, stop by the Next Steps room after the service, and we'll hook you up with a free Bible. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 2. If you don't know where 2 Kings is at, by the way, it's in the Old Testament right after 1 Kings. This, this, is, this is what I'm going to school for, people. This is, so that's my education at work right there. Um, 2 Kings chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But then Elijah replied, as surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elijah and asked him, did you know the Lord is going to take your master away from me today? Of course I know, Elijah answered, be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. Then Elisha replied, Surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, said Elisha, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the river Jordan. But again, Elijah, Elisha replies, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elisha and Elijah Stopped beside the Jordan River, then Elijah folded his cloak together, struck the water with it, the river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, God, for bringing us here today, God, that we have lights, that we have power, um, and God, just that you're here, um, Lord, and I just, I just pray that um, our hearts would be open to hear what you'd have to say today. Um, Lord, speak to our hearts uh, this morning, God, and just if, if there's correction that needs to come into our lives, God, that you would uh, bring that. God, if there's, um, if there's something we need to change, God, that you would help us to change it. If there's something we can take away from here and apply, God, that you would help us to apply it. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would do that in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give someone a high five before you're seated. I'm apparently big on the high five. I just kind of realized that as I said that. I just I make this stuff up as I go along, people. I don't plan out that I'm going to have people do that, but it's just kind of just kind of happens. So um, 
I don't know, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm kind of a movie guy. Like, I like movies. Um, you know, movies are fun. Um, my wife is not a movie person. I almost said my wife is not a movie guy, but that would be pretty obvious. Um, my wife's not into movies. She's, uh, she said, and she'll admit this herself, she doesn't have the attention span for a movie. She's like, you know, you get 30, 45 minutes in, she's like, I'm bored, I need to move on to something else. So she's, she's totally into TV uh, shows, TV series, but I'm kind of, I dig movies now, but I grew up very sheltered, <laughs> and so um, I didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot of movies. Um, but, you know, movies are cool. I, I, like, I like the diversity in movies. Um, you know, there's all different kinds of movies. Of course, you know, you have your, your action-adventure movies, your rom-coms, you know, your dramas, all this kind of, your, your scary movies. And, uh, you know, for me, some of my personal favorites, because I'm an admitted nerd, you know, I like the comic book movies. I watch all the, the superhero things. And, uh, you know, they, they mess with me. Sometimes I have dreams where, like, I'm Spider-Man. And um, one time I had a dream, I was Batman, I was getting ready to punch the Joker, and I wake up right as my fist's like getting ready to hit my wife. And that was the Lord himself waking me up in that moment, because uh, that probably would have been the end of my marriage, you know. So, um, so movies are cool, but one of, the, one of the kind of movies that I, I think are a lot of fun, and you don't see as many of them now, but their, their heyday was kind of back like in the late 80s, early 90s, was the buddy movie. Uh, not, not Buddy Davis, you know, our Auburn Center pastor, but, but, but Buddy movies. You know, like where you have the friends, you know, the, the, especially like cop movies and like the two partners that, that get together, you know, and, and, and the Buddy movie, like, the, you know, it's always the same movie. It's like the two people get together. First, they don't like each other. They're kind of scoping each other out, and they face the obstacle together, and, uh, you know, then they go on to defeat the bad guy and face the sequel or, or um, you know, or often it's two friends, you know, and they, they face something together and it kind of threatens to rip their friendship apart and then they have to work through it and, and go together and then, you know, go on to the end. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to go through some of the great buddy movies of all time. So the, the first one is this, uh, Lethal Weapon, you know, um, Mel Gibson before he went crazy, you know, back, back in the day, it was a great movie. Some of you, this, this is Pastor, one of Pastor Brad's top five movies of all time. So draw your own conclusions from that, but it's this movie here. It was, all, it, was all, it was all right. I, I didn't get it. Like, I, I was okay. Anyways, but one of Pastor Brad's top five movies is that one. For you ladies out there, maybe you'll relate to this one. So one of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, buddy movies, though, tells the story of a guy who uh, hails from a distant land, and he is partnered with someone who is also from a land he does not understand. They have to join together work through their differences, and he uses his wits and his improvisational skills to work his way out of impossible situations, and they were able to uh, rescue the girl from the bad guys and defeat the bad guys, and of course, I'm talking about this movie. And so you look at that movie, and it's pretty obvious that I'm talking about, I identify with Chris Tucker out of, out of that, well, what did you guys think I was going to say? People, I, I, don't know any, I don't know any karate now. I mean, that's just, if you're, if you're counting on me to fight my way out of a situation, I'm going to do what Chris Tucker, I'm going to try to blab my way out of it because that's the only thing I got going for me. I, I, you know, I, I can't, I'm not going to fight my way out of the situation. I don't know what you were thinking, but I'm, I'm talking about, I relate, I relate to Chris Tucker here. It's a great movie. You know, I was, I was going to do the dance, but I've got the mic. Sorry, I mean, you're not going to get the Chris Tucker dance from me because that, that would be bad. You'd be heading for the exits. So, but, but uh, Rush Hour, Rush Hour, a great movie. I actually picked it up from a family video and watched it for, for message prep, of course, uh, right before uh, we started there. Um, so, you know, the, the Buddy movie, though, it, it's a great movie because we kind of, I think we intrinsically understand that friendship's kind of an important thing. You know, that, that having a relationship is kind of an important thing. And that there's power 
that happens in our life when we're able to join together with people and develop friendships and to develop uh, relationships. And they, they get us through the hard times. They get us through the obstacles. They help us overcome the villain. They help us to defeat the bad guy. But the problem with um, our, our lives today is that kind of like the buddy movies, you know how like there's not a ton of these as, anymore, is that friendship is also kind of becoming a dying art. And, and what I mean by that is that we are now becoming more isolated than ever before. And that's not just my opinion, but there was actually a survey done in 2013 that showed that 40%, 40% of adults say they feel lonely. 40%. That's a staggering number. And loneliness and isolation can be a dangerous thing. And uh, I'm not even talking about like spiritually here. I'm just talking about practically. It can be a dangerous thing when we become isolated, when we start to feel lonely. Psychology Today did a study, and they found that people who say they feel isolated, who say they feel lonely, they have a higher rate of stress. They have a higher rate of sleeplessness. And they also have a higher suicide rate than those that have relationship that say they don't feel lonely, that they don't feel isolated from other people. So we see out of this that in our lives, having friends and having relationship, it's not just a luxury, but it's a necessity. It's not just something that is something, you know, that we can just tack on to our lives and, and we, we can do and it's optional, but, but having people in our lives, it's something that is foundational to who we are as human beings. It's something foundational to that. And the reason why I think that is, is I think God hardwired us this way. He hardwired us for community. He hardwired us to be in relationship with each other. And you can just look at the account of creation and simply see that when God creates man, if you go back to Genesis and God's creating Adam out of the dirt and he forms him after he's made everything else, he looks at him and he says, it's, it's not good that this guy be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. So he creates Eve, and, 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 but you can see the glimpse. You can see this, this um, principle that God's establishing within people as he creates them. It's not good for us to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for I to be alone. We have to learn to walk through life together. And the, the, that's why here at Core Church we have this core value. We're going to throw this up on the screen, that we exist to live in community with one another. We exist to live in community with each other. It's part of who we are. It's part of how God created us. It's part of how God wired us that we live in relationship and we live in community with one another. See, because the scary thing about isolation is that it can hide. It can mask itself. It can disguise itself. You could be here this morning. You could have come in and, and once your power came back on, you know, put yourself together, put your clothes on, got yourself to church and be sitting here with a smile on your face but feel all alone. Feel isolated. You feel like no one knows what's going on in your life. You feel hidden away. You feel like you're facing all of your struggles by yourself. And I think this is a problem that's kind of become epidemic within our culture today because relationships have kind of become redefined. And the problem with our relationships now is we have relationships that are a mile wide but an inch deep. We have, we have friends on Facebook. Some of you guys probably have over 1,000 friends on Facebook. We, we've redefined what the word friends mean because of social media. We have friends. We have likes. We have people who comment. We have all this stuff going on in our lives, and we have relationships that go a mile wide, but they're an inch deep. We don't have people that know what's going on in our life. We don't have people that know our struggles. And I want to illustrate that this way. I want you right now in your mind's eye just to begin to think about something that you're struggling with. Think about the thing that, that you're afraid of. Think about the thing that's keeping you up at night. Think about the thing that 
when you're driving in the car and, and you have a moment to yourself that it just kind of gnaws at you or, or maybe the thing that you're scared to, to admit, that the struggle, the addiction that you're facing. I want you to think about the obstacle, the challenge, the thing in your life that you're facing right now. And then the question I have for you is, does anyone else know about it? Does anyone else know about your fears? Does anyone else know about your insecurities? Does anyone else know about your temptations? Does anyone else know about your weakness? Are you being real? Are you being open? Are you being transparent with anyone else in your life? Are you carrying those burdens all by yourself? We weren't designed for that. We were designed to live in community. We were designed to have relationship. We were designed to have people help us carry us through the hard times. But many times in our society today, we become so independent. We become so isolated. We become so uh, convinced that we have to do it on our own. We have to do it by ourselves. We push other people away, and we become isolated, and we become pillars all by ourselves. God did not design us to live this way. So we're going to work on the solution today. And the solution is not for us now all of a sudden to post our junk on Facebook, to put all, to put all my struggles out there, so all my social media friends, because that's not what we're talking about today. The solution for us today is going to be simple. We're going to work on how to develop our inner circle. We're going to work on developing an inner circle of people, a circle of trust, to borrow another movie phrase. We're going to work on, bar, on, on working on an inner circle of people that know us, that we can be real with, that we can be open with, that we can be honest with. Even Jesus himself, the man himself, had an inner circle. He had the crowds following him. He had his 12 disciples. But out of those 12 disciples, he had Peter, James, and John. He had three guys that were his inner circle. He told those guys things he didn't tell anyone else. He showed those guys things that he didn't show anyone else. And Jesus himself had an inner circle. So it's probably a good idea that you and I also develop an inner circle of people that we trust, that we know, that we can tell anything to, and that we can do life with together. See, here's the big idea that we're going to have today. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, is that your inner circle determines your outcome. Your inner circle determines your outcome. So how do we develop this inner circle of godly people? How do we develop a godly inner circle? That's what we want to look at today. To do that, we're going to look back at the story of Elijah and Elisha. So we're going to be back in 2 Kings chapter 2. Now, during this series as a whole, we've been looking at the life of Elijah. And for some of you, maybe you're joining us for the first time today. Let me catch you up a little bit. Elijah was a prophet that lived uh, back in the time of the Old Testament. Prophets back in these days were um, the mouthpiece of God. They were kind of like the preachers. They would, they would stand and give messages from the Lord to the people of Israel and also to the kings of the time. And a lot of times they were hated. People didn't like the prophets because they were would often tell messages that were hard. They were messages of repentance. Come back to God. Come back. You know, leave your sins. You guys are stinking it up. You need to fix yourselves. And so Elijah was one of these prophets. And Elijah was getting along in years. So he uh, picked Elisha as his successor, as his protege, as his padwan. And he's going to take him in, and he's going to show him the ropes of how to be a prophet in, uh, to the people of God. And so the story that we're picking up in 2 Kings chapter 2, we're at the tail end of Elijah's life, and we're getting to see Elisha begin to step into the role of prophet in Israel. And so that's the background on what's going on now. So Elijah and Elisha, and the, the story we're picking up is during the very last moment of Elijah's life. 
And so what's getting ready to happen here is Elijah and Elisha are getting ready to take a journey together. And they're getting ready to go visit some places. And what I want to do today is I want to look at the three places that they stopped. Because I think these three places can tell us a lot about the journey we need to take and about the process we need to undergo to start to develop a godly inner circle. And so these three stops are going to be very important for us, and we're going to look at where they stopped, because nothing in the Bible is insignificant. We're going to look at where they stopped and what it can teach us about how to develop our godly inner circle. So you guys ready to go on this journey together with me? Second Kings chapter 2, verse 2. We're going to look at the first stop. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. So the first place that Elijah and Elisha stop on their journey is this place called Bethel. Now, Bethel was a pretty uh, significant place uh, to the Jewish people. Um, Bethel was actually, there's this guy in the Old Testament named Jacob, and Jacob had a vision of a stairway to heaven. Then Led Zeppelin came along and wrote the score to that, and it was amazing. And so he had this vision of, this, uh, of like these angels going up and down the stairway to heaven. And so he names this place Bethel. And Bethel literally means the house of God. And this always represented and always signified the house of God, always signified the presence of God to the people of Israel. So Bethel was a hugely significant place uh, to the Israel people at this time. So what happens is Elijah and Elisha, when they get to start their journey, they start at Bethel. They start at the house of God. They start in the presence of God. And I would submit to you today that to develop your inner circle, it needs to start with God. Start with God. To develop your inner circle, it needs to start with God. Now this, of course, we're in church, so this may at first seem like, well, that's kind of a common sense thing. I'm glad I came today. But tell me something I don't. Yeah, it needs to start with God. But, but I really want us to think for a minute about your relationships. Think about your friendships. How many friendships in your life, how many relationships do you have in your life that were the presence of God, where God is really an integral part of those relationships? How many people do you have that you're sharing your faith with, that you're, you're talking about what God's doing in your life, that you're discussing the Bible, that you're discussing your prayer times, that you're praying for one another, not just, hey, I'm going to pray for you, but you take time to stop and pray for them, that you take time to encourage them, not just with like, here's what I think will help, but I want to encourage you in the Lord. I want to encourage you with the word of God. I want to speak the word of God, and I want to speak life into you. Do you have those relationships? Because I had to examine my life, and I look, a lot of times I have relationships that are good intentioned, or I have relationships that center around a whole bunch of other things. I have relationships that center around sports. I have relationships that center around common interests. I have relationships that center around things that we do together. But how many relationships in my life do I have that center around Bethel, that center around the presence of God? To develop our inner circle, we need to start with God. We need to start with his presence. Because here's the deal, is we can develop inner circles that don't start with this. We can develop in our circles that, that are just full of people's opinions, you know, that, that we have people that, that don't give us this. And they say, well, when you're struggling, you know, well, here's what I think you should do, or, oh, man, that's tough, or, or I feel sorry for you. And, and there's, there may be some level of support, but there's not the presence of God. And I want to tell you something, church. When I'm going through it, when I'm going through a struggle, as much as I love everyone here, I don't want to hear your opinion 
I don't necessarily just want to hear you telling me something that you think is going to make me feel better. I need to be encouraged in the word of God. I need you to pray with me. I need you to get on your knees and touch heaven for me because I'm going through it. And I need to do the same for you. Church, we need to become people that are centered around Bethel, that are centered around the presence of God, that are centered around the word of God so that when we're going through it, we're not just giving our opinions. Here's what I think will help. Here's what I think will make you feel better. Here's what I think you should do. But here's what the word of God says. Here's what I believe God has to say to you. Here's how I come on and encourage you in the word. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're the head, not the tail. God knows the plans he has for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Brother, let me take time. Let me pray for you, and let, I want you to know that I'm going to be praying for you. When is that appointment? When is that doctor's appointment? Tell me so I can be on my knees praying for you. Church, we need to be encouraging each other, not with our flesh, not with our own ideas, not with our thoughts, but let's center ourselves around the presence of God and see what God will do in your life and in my life. We need to start with God and center ourselves around him. So how do we find these relationships? Well, it's, uh, it's pretty simple. The, the Bethel represented the house of God. So I, I believe to find and to start this journey, it also stands to reason that the people that we would start this journey with are also found in the house of God. Now, some of you have been coming to church for a while, and you say, well, that sounds great, but I come to church. I don't, I don't have this in my life. I don't, I don't have people that are doing this for me. But I wanna, what I want to challenge you with is that if you're coming to church and, and you're coming on Sunday morning and you're engaging here and you walk away frustrated because you're not developing Bethel relationships, you're not developing relationships in your life that start with God, is you need to go deeper than this Sunday morning experience. See, church, I want to I push back on this idea that this is church because I really believe as much as I love what we do here on Sunday morning, as much as I love coming in and having incredible worship with an incredible band and lights and sound and then getting up and hearing a message and coming to a nice air-conditioning building that's out of the elements and we sit and we hear a message for a few minutes and we leave, this, this isn't church. This is just, just barely the entry point to what churches. Think about the early church back in the book of Acts. When they met together, they didn't have lights. They didn't have fog. They didn't have sound system. They didn't have amazing worship bands. What did they have? They had each other. And church, when they met together, God did incredible, powerful things in their midst because they had each other. They had community. They had relationships. This building is not the church. These lights are not the church. This band is not the church. You and you and you and you and you and you and you. You are the church and we have to be together for each other. And so when you come in and you say, well, I went to church, but I'm not experiencing the relationship. No, you went to a building. You need to start going to the church and start finding people in your life. Maybe there's someone on a team that you serve with. Maybe there's someone that's sitting across here today that you need to ask, hey, can we go get some coffee together sometime? I'd love to get to know you. Maybe there's someone in your core group that you need to invite over for dinner on a separate night. Maybe there's someone at core community that you sit with that you need to get to know a little better because church, you're not going to engage this. You're not going to engage these relationships by coming and sitting in this building for an hour. You're going to do that by being the church. So we need to be the church and that's how we're going to start to develop Bethel relationships in our lives. So the first place they went to is Bethel. Second thing we went to is um, found in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 4. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. So they start at Bethel and the second place they go to is Jericho. Now for those of you that are familiar with the story, Jericho represented an incredible time of, of battle and of uh, 
testing of faith for the people of Israel. You know, they had come out of the desert. They, they, you know, Charlton Heston had led them out of Egypt and across the desert. And uh, he, Charlton Heston will always be Moses, but I don't, Christian Bale, uh, Charlton Heston will always be Moses. And so he, he leads them through, um, through and, they, and they, get, they cross over and they get into the promised land. Jericho is the first battle they had to fight. So it's always kind of represented battle. It's always kind of represented uh, the idea of that struggle and, and of testing your faith to the people of Israel. And so they leave Bethel and they hit Jordan. And um, in our journey in life, in the same, in, in the same we're going to face battles. Some of you guys, you, you, you know what I'm talking about because you're going through a time of battle right now. I don't think I need to expound on that because it's life. And during life, we have struggles, we have battles, we have hardships. It's just part of what happens. But the funny thing about when we face battles, we have a tendency, we want to go through those battles alone. We want to face those battles. Even Elijah did this in, in this verse and says in 2 Kings 2, 4, and Elijah says to Elisha, what do he say? Stay here. He's telling Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. It's like he's letting Elisha off the hook. He's saying, hey, buddy, thanks for coming with me so far, but, but I've got this battle I need to face, so why don't you stay here so I can go face the battle? Why don't you stay here so I can go handle this? And go do that. And, and I, I get that because I'm the same way. I could be dying, but I'm not going to ask you for help. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're sick and someone's like, well, let me know if, you're gonna, if I can bring you anything. You're like, okay, I'll let you know. I'm not calling you. I'm not letting you know. You know, it's like I could be on my deathbed. I'm probably not going to ask for help. Why? Because I got this. I'm a man. I, I, I got it made. I'm, I'm not going to ask for help. And, and I think there's so many people in life, we're going through battles, but we refuse to ask for help. We refuse to ask for assistance because we think we got this. Stay here. I'm going to go face the battle by myself. And, uh, you know, we, could, we always say we're fine. But the thing is, that's why when we walk with people, as we begin to develop our inner circles, we begin to look for people to be in relationship with, we have to begin to identify when they're in the battle because they're not always going to tell you. You're going to ask them how they're doing. They're going to say they're fine. But there's a couple of things I think we can do to help as people start to face the battle and we can start to walk with them and start to develop this inner circle with them. And the first thing is simply this, that we need to listen for the pain. See, the battle, this time in Jericho, this is when people need other people the most, but when they'll ask the least. This is when I need you the most, but this is when I'm going to ask for your help the least. Because I'm, I, shut, I shut off. I want to isolate myself. I want to try to face it by myself. But this is when I need someone the most. See, I think it's no coincidence that the people of Israel, when they, when they got to Jericho, what did God tell them to do? He told them to march around the wall of Jericho together. They didn't just send Joshua out. They just didn't send the preacher out. They said, he said, march around the wall together. And I could just imagine how silly they felt marching around this wall of Jericho waiting for it to fall. I really hope I don't fall off the stage. Waiting for it to fall, waiting for the walls, waiting for God to do something. I want to tell you, in my life and in your life, you need people that are willing to just walk around the wall with you while you're facing the battle. You need people that are willing to do stuff that, that may not make sense. I don't have an answer. I don't have a solution. I don't have a, a fix for your problem. But you know what? I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on my knees and ask God for you. I'm going to believe with you. And no matter what you go through, through the ups and the downs, I'm here for you, brother. And we're just going to walk around this wall together until God does something. Do you have those kind of people in your life? Because we need people in the battle that are willing to walk around the wall with us. And I need that in my life, and you need that in your life 
that no matter how silly it feels, no matter if it feels like nothing is happening, that you continue to trust in God and we're going to do what God's told us to do and we're going to stay where God told us to stay and we're going to march around these walls until God does something in our lives. Do you have people that are walking around the walls with you at Jericho? We develop that by listening for people's pain. You listen for what they're going through. You listen for what they're saying. They're saying stuff between the words. They're, they're saying something with their eyes. They're hiding messages. And people are facing these struggles. They're facing these battles. And it's our job to join in with them. Say, brother, you're not alone. Let me lock arms with you. We'll walk around this wall together until God does something. We'll walk around. I'm here with you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to support you until the walls in your life come down. Man, I got your back. We're going to listen for the pain in people's lives. And the second thing we're going to do is we're not going to wait for an invitation for initiation. We're not going to wait for an invitation for initiation. And here's what I mean by that. If you're going to wait for someone to ask for help, you'll be waiting forever. Because people won't ask for help. But if you get into someone's life and you see that they're going through a Jericho and you're listening for the pain and God reveals what the, you're, even if it's not exactly what it is, but he reveals, man, this person's struggling. This person's facing a battle right now. Don't wait for an invitation to initiate something. Take him a meal. Write him a card. Call him up and let him know you're praying for him. Send him a text. Do something to let them know that you're in the battle with them. One of the greatest couples I know that does this are youth pastors, Eric and Sybil Hawkinson. So on Monday night, this last night, you can probably tell in my voice, I'm, I'm fighting something off. And, and so Monday, I actually had this uh, fever that just kind of came out of nowhere. I went home and I had the chills and I was just a mess. And... Um, uh, I, was also, I was supposed to be in class that night and stayed home, so I'm, I'm in the bedroom. And Eric and Sybil just out of nowhere just drop by, and they drop off this homemade peach cobbler. And I'm committing, like, the pastor's sin of, of, like, talking about food, you know, like, 15 minutes before we get out. But they had this, like, homemade peach cobbler that was just amazing, and they brought over a birthday card and a balloon because my birthday was a few days before. And uh, they had no—they actually thought I was going to be at school. They had no idea I was home in the master bedroom just sick as a dog. But, you know, as I was going through a battle, as I was going through a physical struggle at this time, just them doing that by not waiting. They didn't ask me. They didn't ask my permission, but they just came over and blessed me. And they had no idea how much that by do, them doing that, they let me know they're in the battle with me. They're in the battle with me. They didn't wait for an invitation to initiate. But they did something. And, and God, spoke, God spoke through them. By the, I was so encouraged by that, just knowing that God is there with me. So there's someone in your life right now that's going through a battle, and your act of kindness could change their outlook on the battle. It could change how they feel about themselves. It could change how they feel about God. Who in your life is God wanting you to use to be their fortress, to be their buddy in their Jericho moment? So here, because when we get in Jericho, here's what we have to do. We have to stay through the battle. We have to let people know, man, I'm with you. I'm staying here with you. I've got your back, brother. I'm going to stay with you in the battle at Jericho. So the final thing, they start at Bethel. They start with the presence of God. They come together and they stay through the battle together. They stay through the Jericho and they reach their final destination, which we read about in verse 4. Actually, we read about in the next verse, but I don't have it up, so we're just going to tell you what it is. They finally reach the Jordan. And the Jordan always signified a time of death or a time of crossing over. 
um, signify leaving something old and going to something new. When they left the desert, they had to cross the Jordan to get to the promised land. So it's kind of this going from death to life. Now there's like a million songs about crossing Jordan, which always means like it's about the death of something entering in into something new. And so what happens when they reach the Jordan is simply this, that something happens when, when we start with God, when we stay through the battle, and when we finally hit Jordan together, is that, that something, something begins to die in us right around here. And we begin to stop our selfishness. And it stops becoming all about us. And it stops just becoming about our struggle. It stops just becoming about our pain. And something in us crosses Jordan. Something in us dies, and we come over here to a new life in Christ. We come over here to a new level of, of relationship. We come over here to a new level of friend. We don't, we don't get here with, with everybody because if, if you tried to lay down your life for everybody, you know you'd, you'd just be spent. But there are, there are a few people in your life that you get to at this point where, where you love them, where you would do anything for them, where they're, where they're closer than family to you, where, where, they, where they've got your back, where you've got their back no matter what, no matter when that call comes, no matter what happens. And, and this is what Jesus was talking about in, in the Gospel of John when he said, greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friend, that he crosses Jordan, that, that he puts an end to his selfishness. And for, for us, this, this happens. Um, I'll tell you a story how, how this happened in my life. Um, so last, uh, last Friday, the 14th, was my birthday. And uh, turned the big 3-3, which is, I mean, not, not like a really fun birthday. It's just, it's just another day, really. And, um, but, you know, it's your birthday, you know, it's like, celebrate like it's my birthday, drink wine punch like it's my birthday, um, you know, and so, some of you guys got that, um, and so, I'm, I, you know, it's, like, it's my birthday, and I'm thinking, man, you know, we'll do something, do something fun, but um, an opportunity came up for us to, um, to keep uh, some dear friends of ours, kids, overnight, and, um, and so, when that happened, of course, I was like, yeah, we absolutely need to do that. But, but can I tell you, can I be honest with you, when, when that happened too, there was a part of me that was like, it's, it's my birthday. You know. I mean, I, I, love, I love my friends, but my birthday, come on now. Can't we watch the kids a different night? But it, it just, it worked out that night. So, so, you know, we ended up watching our friends' kids overnight so they could go and have a great date night and they could go and, and just, uh, we could be a blessing to them. But, you know, you know as, as that happened and, and I laid down some selfishness, that, that it was just so incredible because something felt right about that. Something felt right in my spirit about doing that. And not only that, but, but then I saw how they had been doing this for me all summer long. These friends of ours have been helping us by keeping our kids and loving on our kids while my wife went back to work full time. And they loved our daughters as if they were their own kids. And they loved my son, Andrew, and they helped raise them as if there was his own flesh and blood as they crossed over Jordan crossed over Jordan, it was like, it's not about me anymore. It's not about my life. It's not about the things I want, but I need to die to my selfishness. I need to die to myself and say, you know what? I'm here for you. I'm here for you no matter what. So we have relationships that start with God and stay through the battle. What happens is we stop our selfishness. We put an end to it. And we say, God, it's, this life isn't about me. This life isn't just about what I can get out of it, who can serve my needs, who can fit my needs, but God, who, who are the people in my life, God, that you're going to call me to lay down my life for? Because God, I want to show your love to those people, God. I want to show your compassion and your mercy to those people. Stan, come on, come on back up, buddy.
So my question to you today is simply, where are you in this process? Maybe for some of you, you're, you're kind of here and you say, I need to develop these kinds of friends. I need to develop people in my life that, um, that I can start the journey with. Well, I want to tell you that, that some of the best steps you can take will be right here. Maybe for some of you, it's getting on a core team. And uh, one of my best friends in life, I, I found, because we, we play in the band together. And getting on that team. So maybe, maybe it's going to be on a team. Maybe it's going to be getting in a group. There's core group signups in your worship program. Maybe you need to take that step today. Maybe for some of you, it's that you need to stay with someone's battle. Maybe there's someone in your group that's going through something. Maybe there's someone in, on your team or someone, and you know they're going through. Maybe you need to do something for them. Maybe you need to step out of your comfort and you need to say, how can I help? What can I, what can I do for you? Or, or maybe even better than asking is just doing it. Say, man, you know what, honey? We're going we're gonna to take so-and-so a meal today because I, I, I just feel they're really going through something and, and I need to, we're going to bless them or, you know, I'm going to, you know, we're going to watch so-and-so's kids because they, they just look stressed and they, they need some time away. They, they need a date night. So we're going to, we're going to, what can you do for someone to show them that you're going to stay with them through the battle? Or, or maybe it, it's just you, you have the people in your life and, and maybe your attitude's been wrong. Maybe it's been like, man, it's been all about me. And I'm so, I'm so bitter because I'm like, God, when, when's someone going to meet my needs? When, when's someone going to do something for me? And you need to, you need to have a, a moment where you say, you know what, God? It, it's not about me. And God, I, need, I want you to put a nail in that coffin, Lord. And I want to cross Jordan. I want to leave my selfishness. I want to leave my, my self-centeredness behind, God. And I want to I step in, God, to the promise you have for me. The greater love has no man than this, and I'd lay down my life for my friends. That I'd have people in my life, God, that I would do anything for. And God, if that means that I get a little bit less of what I want, God, so that I can bless someone with what God would do, I think even so be it. But God, use me to reach people. Use me to love people. God, use me. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your word, God, this morning. And I just pray, Lord, you would help us to develop our godly inner circle, Lord, that you would help us to develop what we need, God, to, to, um, to have people in our lives so that we're not going through it alone, God. I just want to pray, Lord, for those that feel isolated right now, God. They feel alone, God. I just pray that, that they would know that they're not. God, that there's a church full of people here, God, that whether there's someone here that you have for them to help them walk through the battle, to help them walk through the Jericho moments, God. And I just pray that you'd begin to divinely orchestrate those meetings, Lord, whether it's someone that they serve with on a core team or that's in their core group or um, whatever it is, God, I pray that you would help them do that. I want to pray for you specifically this morning. If you're here and you'll say, you know what, Daniel, I, I, I'm, in, I'm in need of, of an inner circle in my life that, um, that points to God. I've got people in my life that aren't doing that or, or maybe I'm not doing a good job of that in other people's life, but I want, I really feel like this is where we, we just need to make a commitment. It's like, I, I want to, I need more Bethel in my life. I need more people in my life that that are helping me start and stop on God. And, and I need to be, I want to make a commitment too that I'm going to be that for people and I'm going to find people that I, I can have that kind of relationship. If, if that's you and you say, yeah, I need, I need more more people in my life. I need, to, I need to look for these people that are going to help me develop my inner circle. I want to pray for you this morning. Um, with every head bowed, if you just raise your hand so I know who you are and I can pray for you, man. Thank you, guys. Hands up all over the place. God, I pray for those that have raised their hands this morning that you would just help them, God, as they begin to look for Bethel relationships in their life. Um, 
We acknowledge that everything comes from your Holy Spirit. So God, I pray you move on their hearts and move on their life, God, that they would begin to do that. And uh, you just send people their way, God. And they would know, and they would know, God, and they'd begin to cultivate it. And God, help us to be patient because it's a process. Lord, this, this journey doesn't take place in a day. But God, it's a process of developing these relationships. God's a process of developing this inner circle. It takes time. It takes going through the battles together. It takes sharing heart and ups and downs, God. And I just pray you help us to be patient as we do that. And finally, I want to ask those of you that are in this place, maybe you haven't established the most important relationship in your life, and that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, God, more than any other person, knows you he does not want you to walk through this life alone. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you, that you would know him, that you could have relationship with God, the creator of the universe. He loves you, the Bible says, with an everlasting love. And he brought you here for this time, for this moment, to let you know that he loves you, that he has not given up on you, that every Jericho, every battle, every struggle that you faced, he has been there with you and he's done he's orchestrated your life to bring you here to hear that he wants to know you he wants to be in relationship with you if you're here this morning and you say i'm not a follower of jesus i've not committed my life to him or maybe you did a long time ago but you've fallen away from that and you know that you're not following after jesus i want to tell you today's your day to come home today's your day to come running back to bethel to come running back to the house of god to come running back to the presence of god And if that's you this morning, I just want to encourage, I want to pray with you. I want to know who you are. If you're here today and you say, Daniel, I know I need to commit my life to Jesus Christ. I need to get right with God. I need to say, God, I'm all in. I give my life to you. If that's you here this morning, will you raise your hand? Will you raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you on the side. Thank you. Anyone else? I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to commit myself. I see in the middle. Thank you. Anyone else? Well, I want us to pray this prayer out loud in support of those that made a life-changing decision this morning to follow Jesus. Heavenly Father, oh, come on, we can do better than that, church. Come on, Heavenly Father, there we go. Thank you for bringing me here. God, I acknowledge your great love for me. And I know, God, that I've wandered from you. But today, I come running back to give you all of me. I give you my life and everything that I am. From this day forward, I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, can we clap our hands and celebrate change lives here in this place.